thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's On The Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst, Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then. Now, on with today's show. Hello everyone and welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin. And delighted to be welcoming back our next guest. He is a writer, a podcaster, a Disney fan and he is a Florida man. JP Acosta, welcome back to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for having me back on. Yes, I am a man of many talents, as people like to say. I just call myself a person who is too much online. So that's probably the reason for all of the other, like Florida man, Disney, Disney fan, football fan, probably because I'm far too well, I too am guilty of being chronically online and when when you make a reference to something to your friends and they look at you like, what are you talking about? You realize, oh, that's, that exists only in the online world. Um, but one one thing I, I suppose that, that people might not be familiar with, if they're not on, as online as, as you and I are, and particularly if they make the mistake of not following you on Twitter, is that you actually have something in common with Jerry Rice. And and that is that you both want to see the destruction of the RPO. <laughs> yes, I am. So a little bit of background on me. Of course, I played people to lie, girl. <laughs> I hate RPO. I think they give, they give offenses too many loopholes to get around the rules because referees just decide not to call ineligible man downfield when linemen are blocking five yards down the field. And it just creates too many, too much chaos for a defense that is trying to play within the rules because they already have to, they already over-legislate uh, pass interference and holding on defenses. It's just giving, it's just giving the offense so many more loopholes that I don't think they should have. You should grow up, play, play real football. And, and for anyone listening, uh, you Jerry uh, Rice had uh, had tweeted this saying that essentially what happened to to lining up and having the the best man win. And when one considers uh, in terms of statistical outliers in NFL history, I think Jerry Rice is out there more than anyone else. So truly, he was all about having the the best man uh, win. And that was that was something that that struck me uh, of the many things that that struck me over the the past. A uh, few weeks since we last had you on, JP. But um, I suppose one of the things that you know you, you had tweeted uh, in relation to the NFC North and how you kind of could make a an argument that any team within that division could be good, and I think that's very fair. Is is that for you the most interesting of the the divisions because any team can be good, or are there others that you you look around and you think, wow, any team could be bad? So maybe that that's equally as interesting. See, I kind of think that NFC North and NFC South are the same in terms of the each team, each of these teams can be really good, but the highway directly to being really really bad is the same length as the highway to being very good for both teams in both divisions. Um, the NFC North, I was 
doing some research for another podcast I was on. And I just found myself talking myself into every single team in that division being good. You know, we can start with the Lions. And of course, they are the preseason pick. They are everybody's favorite to win a division. It feels weird saying the Lions might actually be good in 2023, but I can believe it. I think their offense is still going to be very, very good because their offensive line will continue to be fantastic. I think they upgraded a lot from going from Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift to Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery is an upgrade in the backfield. Monroe St. Brown continues to be excellent. I am worried a little bit about missing Jamison Williams and not having that speed element, but they rolled the dice on Denzel Mims. We don't know what Denzel Mims is right now, but he should be the vertical element to that offense until Jamison Williams comes back. Defensively, they're still relatively thin. I have a little bit of worries at their uh, in their secondary. And, of course, they're going to need some more people outside of Aiden Hutchinson to step up in the pass rush department. And especially up front, they weren't very good at stopping the run last year. So that's going to be something I'm definitely watching in terms of Detroit. But even outside of Detroit, you know, I think the Packers are going to be good. I think that defense is far too talented to play bad as as bad as they did last year. Um, they're they're going to start playing Devontae Wyatt more, which I felt was kind of weird because they drafted him in the first round and he barely played at all last season. I do wonder what they're going to work out at secondary opposite Darnell Savage, but Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes are good. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker are two really good linebackers. Rashawn Gary is coming off the uh, PUP list. He should be back. He was great before he got hurt. And offensively, I kind of liked what I saw in the limited time that we saw Jordan Love last year. He looked so much more in control. He looked smoother, more confident. I'm excited to see what that offense looks like now that Aaron Rodgers isn't there. I think they're going to lean a whole lot more into 12, 20 personnel, have A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time, and really, really try and force teams to play the matchup game with them. If you try and put a nickel on the field because they want to pass the ball out of 12 or 20 personnel, they can just hammer you over the head in the run game. If you want to go bigger and try and stop their run game, then you can split out Aaron Jones, and he is a mismatch for any linebacker. I really just worry about the offensive line, you know? I worry about how healthy they're going to be. David Batiari may or may not be healthy. They're still working around uh, where Zach Tom, the 2022 center, is going to play. I think he's going to play at center, but he's also good at right tackle. So he gives you a lot of versatility, but you want to have a set five going into the season that you can bank on being there consistent. That's something the Packers really didn't have. Oh, the Vikings are very weird. I, I have not been able to pay where the Vikings are going to finish this year because they truly are the embodiment of what GM Quesi Adolfo Mensa said back when he got hired. This team was going to undergo a competitive rebuild. And they are this team looks like a competitively rebuilding team. The offense is still probably going to be fantastic. Um, the tackles, Christian Darisol and Brian O'Neill are two, two of the best at their respective positions. Christian Darisol could be another breakout candidate at tackle position if he already hasn't broken out this past year. Um, I I said a lot of negative things about Kirk Cousins, but the dude is tough. He played really well last year. He got so much better under Kevin O'Connell in terms of attacking the middle of the field and throwing under pressure. He still will do the check down on third and eight when you need eight yards, he throws it four. He'll still do that, but he Kevin O'Connell coaxed a little bit more of aggression. And Justin Jefferson is just phenomenal. We know, we know what he is. He's the best receiver in the league. TJ Hawkinson is great. Adding Jordan Addison is going to help because you can line up Justin Jefferson anywhere, 
he's going to see double coverage. Jordan Jordan Addison's probably going to see more single coverage than he probably has ever in his entire life in the NFL. Um, defensively, there's a lot of questions. A whole lot of questions, not only from the schematic shift, but also the personnel. I mean, they're, they wipe their secondary room basically clean. It's a clean slate outside of Harrison Smith, you know? The corners are still up for grabs. Um, and they signed Marcus Davenport to be the Darius Smith replacement. We'll see how that goes. But keeping Daniil Hunter in the fold should help them. They're just another very, very weird team to pick. And I'm kind of talking myself into the Bears' offense being fun. The Bears are going to be a very fun offensive team. Defensively, not going to be great just because you don't have the front seven players necessary to consistently win games. But the offense is going to be so fun. I think they're going to lean heavy into the vertical displacement in the run game. They drafted Darnell Wright, signed Nate Davis from Tennessee. They are going to run the piss out of that football. And with Justin Fields being an automatic math changer in that offense, you're going to see a lot more open holes for guys like Roshan Johnson, Cleo Herber. But I do think my big question is, can you continue to keep the explosiveness on the, of the run game without running Justin Fields 20 times a game? Because you can't have a, your quarterback be both your leading passer and your leading rusher. That's just going to give him a whole lot of hits, and he's going to wear down by the end of the season. And I think one of the things that made Justin Fields such a great quarterback coming out of college is something that he showed in the back half of last season. And major props to Luke Getzey on how that offense shifted from, I mean, the Thursday night football game against the Commanders where it looked really bad to kind of now everybody has hope. And one of the things that Justin Fields does very well is he is so aggressive throwing the ball down the field. He wants to, he is a big game hunter throwing the ball down the field. He wants to throw the touchdown. He wants to throw the deep ball. Now you have guys who can create separation and catch in that spot with DJ Moore who can consistently create separation all three levels. You now move Darnell Moody to a wide receiver two role, which is where I think he'll probably be best. And then I think Tyler Scott has played, reports are saying Tyler Scott's played very well in this uh, offseason and training camp. I'm excited to see how that looks. But what their offense is going to be, what I think it is, is it's going to be attacking you. It's going to be vertical, vertical displacement in the run game. Getting Justin Fields vertical in the run game. Letting him throw the ball downfield. Keep testing opponents downfield. Make them stop you throwing the deep ball or make them stop you from hitting you in the face every time in the run. So I'm very excited to see what the offense looks like. But defensively, there are just too many holes, especially up front. Uh, there, there are so many things that jumped out as you were talking there. One in relation to the Vikings, because for me, the Vikings have that same chaotic energy that the Seahawks do. But because of the Minnesota nice veneer and the way people in the Midwest are, it's like they can't show it off. They got to kind of bury, bury it down a little bit, whereas you put them on the coast and they would be just like the, the Seahawks are. The, the other thing that jumped out um, when you were talking, because right, Zach Tom, like the fact that he plays tackle and center, um, and li some listeners might be familiar with this, and I know you um, are, are a Leicester fan, but there was a game over here, which is now football manager, which used to be championship manager back in the day and was super addictive. But it would be a bit like if a player was like midfielder right and defender center. You're like, they don't really complement each other it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but occasionally you'd find this player that that did that and and the other thing that jumped out is Jair Alexander the most confident person in the universe 
<laughs> you know, I think the I think the NFC North has two of the most confident DBs on earth in Jair Alexander and CJ Gardner Johnson. Both of those guys are the top two just shit talkers in the league. They both will be able to back it up. They both want to be in your face. I think Jair might have the edge because Jair is an outside corner at like 5'11". He is undersized in terms of NFL standards for an outside corner, but he's phenomenal. So I feel like being short, you got to kind of back that up somehow. You got to you gotta talk trash because if you're going to live on an island like corners do, corner is a very, very isolated like position. It is probably the most isolated position on the football field outside of special teams like kicker and punter because you cannot hide a bad corner. You, you can play as much zone as you want, but if you know a corner is bad and the offense knows a corner is bad, they're going to take it. They're going to attack it every time. So you have to have a short playing cornerback. It is one of the most daunting positions to play on the field. Yeah, you got you got to have the desire because, as you said, you can you can pick on it time and time. Hey, we've seen quarterbacks do that. Like, I mean, it's not like soccer where you kind of it works across the field. If you have a bad corner, you're just going to get picked on relentlessly. But I, in terms of uh, you know cornerbacks. Is there or who who are the players you would love to see cut a wrestling promo? Um, what would it would it be a a cornerback or is there are there others out there that kind of stand out to you? So my first thought with wrestling promos, George Kittle. George Kittle is already a huge wrestling fan. He's also a maniac at tight end, and he also came from Iowa where they run block and they hit people hard. I know that he cuts an absolute awesome wrestling promo. I think he was already involved in a um, in the WrestleMania match. I think it was a tag mm-hmm. match, WrestleMania where George Kittle got involved, and no, it was a Pat McAfee match where George Kittle hopped the stands and uh, gave a clothesline to the Miz. One of my favorite moments from WrestleMania. Um, I also think uh, Jason Kelsey or Lane Johnson would cut an awesome promo. The Eagles. The Eagles had some guys who can cut some mean promos, but among quarters, I'm going to say Jair, of course. Jalen Ramsey is all has always been one of the best shit talkers in the league, so I got to go with Jalen Ramsey. And then who else? Who else would be a really good shit talker? Um, Christian Wilkins, defense tackle from the Dolphins. He is such a goofy dude. That I think he can he can come up with some real real funny stuff that to make people laugh, but to also crack on or like talk shit about somebody else. I I like those ideas. I, I do think also in terms of maybe wrestling script writing, I think if you got Pete Carroll to write wrestling, yeah. uh, can you imagine how evil that would that would be? I I think he would bring. I don't know if you ever got to see Oz. Uh, on HBO, I, I think Pete would have a sprinkle a little bit of Oz <laughs> into wrestling, and I think that would be uh, quite something. Um, I'll also mention completely on a tangent, um, but there is um, an American author, John Jeremiah Sullivan, who has this wonderful book, and it's a collection of essays that he wrote for the likes of um, kind of Vanity Fair and GQ and others, and it's called um, Pulped Dispatches from the Other Side of America. And it has a profile of the Miz that is really, really fantastic. It has a profile of Axel Rose as well, and also features him going to a Christian rock festival. And I 
for listeners, for you, I, I cannot recommend that, that book highly enough. And that's a complete tangent that came to mind. The Miz is one of the more interesting wrestlers that we've seen in the bottom era because, like, it shouldn't work. He's not the best wrestler, but when it comes time to hype up a match or cut a promo, there's maybe two or two, three people that I want in there outside of the Miz. He just builds people, he just builds people up. He can cut every promo in the world. He can do it really well. I think for a coach, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's promos would be like 100 miles a minute. He'd be talking so fast. You already know he's chewing the gum while he's doing it. So you can you can probably catch like two words that he's saying, but you know he means it. He really means it. Um, Dan Campbell, obvious trick for, for coach cutting wrestling promo. That man is hopped up on espresso shots and five-hour energy constantly. I want to see that man cut a promo because I think he'll just start like, he'll lose his mind. It'll be like Scott Steiner. Oh yeah, no, I, I Dan, Dan Campbell versus Mick Foley. Let's uh, let's make that happen. Um, back back to to football talk. Um, uh, one thing I'm I'm interested in in your thoughts on this because I've been thinking a lot. I I loved the Eagles last year. I was and I love Jalen Hurts. I am the conductor of the Jalen Hurts hype train. Um, I think he's fantastic. Um, but I I wonder. Shane Steichen, I think, and we mentioned this the last time because we talked about Andy Richardson, I'm a huge Shane Steichen fan. And I wonder, with Steichen moving on, because I think I think that'd be fine without Jonathan Gannon personally, but Steichen moving on, do they lose uh, a, a, too much of, of the magic or am I overthinking it? Are they going to be okay? Because we saw Dable leave the Bills Okay, and Ken Dorsey comes in, and and we I heard a lot of the same stuff. And Ken Dorsey, oh, he's a QB coach; it'll be fine. And the Bills, well, they they were very good last year. Outside of that first game, it never felt like they were quite the same. Now they came out with their head, hair on fire. I think they were trying to get rid of thirteen seconds, but it, it didn't look the same as it did under Dable. Am I worrying too much about the the Eagles, who are a team I don't even follow? <laughs> but are 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 is there is there questions about how it might work with Brian Johnson. So I think the worries are a little I think they're they're warranted especially when you lose an offensive coordinator for an offense that was so explosive and dynamic as Eagles. It makes sense to have a little bit of worry there, but I do ulti- ultimately believe not only in Brian Johnson, the new offensive coordinator who was quarterback's coach in Philly, he was quarterback's coach at Florida. I think from talking this was even talking with guys who covered Florida during the Anthony Richardson year, during Anthony Richardson's time in Florida, they talked a lot about how Brian Johnson was kind of the voice that Dan Mullen missed as soon as he left to the NFL. That's why a lot of stuff broke down. So I think Brian Johnson will still have a positive influence on this offense, and the offensive nucleus still largely remains the same. You know, they're, they're still keeping at least – Four of the five starters, you know, keeping Jason Kelsey around is always huge. Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson are coming back. You got to replace Isaac Samalo, but the way they've drafted and prepped guys, somebody's going to step up. It looks like it's going to be Cam Jurgens. Landon Dickerson is going to take another step forward. You still have Jalen Hurts under center, and you still have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, a whole bunch of talent. And I also think having Nick Sirianni, who is an offensive mind, he will also still have input and some say in what the offense looks like. So I'm not too worried because they have built 
they have built a very, very good infrastructure of offensive brain trust around Jalen Hurts for this offense. You have the protection, you have the playmakers, and you have some sort of offensive play calling or experience going from the head coach to the offensive coordinator. You, There is some cohesion there. So if there weren't any cohesion there, I'd be a little more worried. But the Eagles just have so much talent, so much they have so much talent that I don't think it's going to be a massive problem. And it, it's interesting when you say Sirianni, because we're mentioning Pete Carroll. Sirianni epitomizes Philly. Like that clip of, of uh, you know, from last season where Jalen Hurts is the one Cavic came down. You're like, yeah, perfect guy in the perfect city at the at the perfect time. Um so that's that's good news. I mean, I like the the Eagles. I, I have a bit of an affinity, even though I'm a Broncos fan. I have affinity for the the city of Philly. So that's good news on the the Brian Johnson side of things. I guess tw- twenty minutes in, we're probably possibly in the maybe the fever dream part of the the show. Let's call it that. And um, you mentioned the other day, and there'll be people listening to this how. You, you know, your brain was thinking that the way in which Von Miller and Justin Jefferson move in similar ways. Now, there will be people listening to this, JP, who will go, what? Explain. So talk us through this. Yeah. So it starts off with a thought that I believe Brandon Thorne has written about earlier. Brandon Thorne is the guru for all things offensive and defensive lines. And it stems from a podcast, I think, in 2020 that Trent, uh, Trent Williams and Richard Sherman were on. And they talked about how similar the game is for a corner and an offensive tackle in terms of you're seeing different guys every play. But in terms of the body movements, offensive tackle and corner is a reactionary kind of position, especially in the passing game. You're reacting to what the opposite guy in front of you is doing. And you have to stop him based on something that based on a theory that you don't necessarily know. Of course, you can study it all the time and put, try and put it in practice. It becomes a hypothesis or what makes it a theory, but you have not much concrete evidence that you know what this guy is going to do. So you're basically reacting to everything that they're doing, which is what I was thinking for the flip side of receivers and edge rushers in the passing game. And a lot of it has to do with manipulation of movement, manipulation of eyes. One of the things that Justin Jefferson is so good at and what makes him the best in the NFL is body control, but not body control, not necessarily in terms of making acrobatic catches, which he really can do and getting both feet in bounds. It's not saying he can't do that, but when I talk about body control for Justin Jefferson, it is in terms of creating space, using footwork, hip movement, and manipulating eyes of defenders to get them going one way and he goes the other way. It's a lot like Vaughn Miller and how Vaughn Miller moves. We've talked a lot earlier about ankle flexion, hip flexion, and being kind of like a figure skater or ballerina on the field with Vaughn Miller, with edge rushers like Dwight Freeney. That's a, they do a lot of the same things at receiver where, of course, having all the athleticism in the world is going to help, help you get past a corner. But a lot of it now, like you have to have some ability to manipulate movement, to get the guy going one way, and you go the other to create separation and ultimately get to the ball. I yeah, I there's I I wanted because I, I I knew like there was going to be a, a really coherent explanation there. So I I I am interested. Uh, like it was really interesting to to hear you outline it. Um, and I think 
it's very fair point. I think that piece that kind of Sherman um, and Trent Williams did was interesting. And I think you have um, extrapolated something else from that. And it might be interesting to, to look at potentially other players and other positions who, uh, who, who are kind of who you could do similar things with. Um, but one of the things when, when you were on last as well, um, I don't know if Sean Payton listens to to this um, or fo- follows your your career because you said um, that you thought that the Nathaniel Hackett appointment uh, was the the biggest mistake of the off season, and Sean Payton heard that and decided he bore petrol on the fire um, by making even more outlandish statements. Um, I suppose you know. Do you do you think that helped? it when um you know like it gets the the team to at least support him or does that put even more pressure on a guy who was going to be in the spotlight already so i think it honestly works both ways of course the jets players are going to support their offensive coordinator of course aaron Rodgers is going to support his friend which get you a friend like aaron Rodgers who will support you through thick and thin even after you had the worst season or a head coach since maybe Urban Meyer. Um, but also there does there's gonna be a lot more pressure on him because if this jet season, like if it falls apart, then the first person getting blamed is going to be Nathaniel Hackett, especially if the offense falls apart first. You know, I think they're having him be up in the press box and he's gonna relay plays to Todd Downing. Todd Downing's gonna relay plays to Aaron Rodgers, just creating a chain of command that doesn't have to exist. You know, so it feels a lot like they're trying to, it feels like, it feels like they're putting them at the kid's table a little bit. It feels like, yeah, you're going to go over here. You, you have your crayons, you have your coloring sheets, you draw in between the lines here while the adults do the adult stuff. And I just wonder if that's going to work long-term for the Jets this season. Of course, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. That's why you go and trade for Aaron Rodgers. But the way their see their schedule set up, there's not a lot of room for oh we have to grow into this because if you start the season two and four or one and five because the offense just that just flames out early, you don't have a lot of room for error, especially in a loaded AFC where and even in their division you have three other teams that are probably going to be fighting for those other playoff spots, not including the teams in the in, a, in the AFC North who are all going to be a lot better. You have teams in the AFC West who are all going to be a lot better. So it really, there is a lot of pressure on Nathaniel Hackett this year because best believe if it starts to fall apart, he is going to get the blame first. Yeah, it, it's certainly going to be interesting to to see. And um, if it does begin to fall apart, we know that Aaron Rodgers generally isn't slow about uh, sharing and voicing his opinions as to who is responsible for the issues. So um, yeah, what, what, who is he going to point the, the finger at? Now, it may well work, could, but as you said, um, there are lots of questions around that. Um, I asked you the last time, I suppose, what most intrigues you about the 2023 season. I'm interested, JP, in some of your NFL pet peeves. For, for me, it, it is the, the sideline interviews with coaches um, where you know they either they're running off or they've just come back on, and you 
you hear absolutely nothing. You, I mean, coach speak is bad enough at the best of times, but in those 30 seconds you hear, um, we, we, we've got to keep doing what we're doing or we've got to try harder. And that's essentially variants of that. That's my pet peeve. I just don't understand why it's done, um, but interested in, in some of yours. So this is a very nitty gritty thing. Um, I, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is every announcer calling a play action pass an RPO when they're not like, not every play action pass is an RPO and not, and not every RPO is a play action pass Though we need to, we need to delineate that. We need to, we need to make sure that we separate those two terms going into the season. They are not the same. And then second, I'm not the biggest like ref hater. I'm, I'm not as, I'm definitely not as big of a ref hater as many people that you'll see online. But I can just vividly remember the Cowboys Raiders game where they measured if the guy was short of the first down using an index card. That is the thing that irks me the most because how do you even come up with that? How do you, how does somebody have an index card on them? Is like it's like in those like scenarios where like is there a doctor on the plane and somehow there's just a doctor who's ready at ready at standby who just happened to be on this plane it's like does anybody have an index card what if they had to go and like borrow it from somebody in the stands who in the stands has an index card do they have to borrow it from a coach or something i just i do not like the the nitty-gritty of if you have to get down on your knees and use an index card to measure if a guy was short of the first down just give him the first down if, if it's like in between like that little bitty bitty margin that you got to measure it with a piece of paper, I feel like you're doing too much. I now want to know, though, what are some of the, the more random things people have brought to uh, NFL stadiums? And I imagine we, we could find uh, quite the uh, collection of, of those. Um, before uh, I, I let you go, um, fo football on this side of the Atlantic is back. Um, what do you make of, um, you know, you know, Leicester's, uh, your expectations for Leicester for the, the season ahead? Yeah, I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. You know, they got relegated at the end of the season, which really, really hurt. Um, you know, losing James Madison's obviously going to put a nick into the offense because of how much offense he created. But through all the... Ooh, first match, I'm pretty uh, cautiously excited. I think if Kieran Dewsbury Hall continues to score like this, and they should be fine, I I just worry about in if and when they move back up, will they have the amount of talent and the amount of coaching necessary to not only get back up to Premier League but stay up there? Well, the the, the championship is always one of the more interesting divisions, and and teams that are tipped very often are not the teams that make it. But we are recording this on the day that um, Harry Maguire has left Manchester United for almost a third of the fee um, that they paid for him. They paid 80 million and he has left but West Ham for 30, um, which is um, quite something. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> no, no. Though as somebody pointed out for Manchester United, it's better than uh, having a, a midfielder, allowing him leave for free, buying him back from Juve for 90 million, then allowing him to go back to Juve on a free again. So, you know, the... the, the baby steps, baby steps. Baby, baby steps, baby steps. It's funny, There's um there was a piece about the Glazers that talked about 
the Bucks' decade of de- of decline or decay just prior to Brady's arrival. And if you talk to Manchester United fans, you'll hear kind of very similar uh, stories. But no MRSA outbreak in uh, Manchester, uh, which we can all all be be grateful for. Uh, JP, when you are not talking uh, and giving generously of your time to, to me or on the Mina Kaim show, where can people find you and check out more of your stuff? You find my work at SB Nation. I cover the NFL, college football, NFL draft, wherever football is being played. I'm probably going to be tweeting about it. Um, during the regular season, I'm going to be bringing back season two of Establish the Fun, which is my column I write every Friday, outlining some things I find fun in the world of football. Because everybody needs a little fun in their lives. Football can get a very too. Football can get a little negative. We all know that. But sometimes it's time to. It's nice to show some people that what they do is fun, and I like appreciating the fun stuff. So be on the lookout for that when it comes when it comes down time to the regular season. Excellent. Look forward to that coming back again. And you're right. We could all do with a dose of fun in our life. And say, suffice to say, you always bring the fun when you are on this podcast. JP Acosta, thanks very much. Thank you for having me.